Yeah, and that was El Paso-based 12-year-old beatboxing sensation Salvador Sevilla Hernandez, who goes by the name of DJ E-Mask. I invited him here to kick us off because our special guest today has ties to youth and the arts. I am Tim Hernandez, and you're tuned into another edition of Words on a Wire. Today, we'll be speaking with John Hinojosa. He's the executive director of CEC. It's a national award-winning creative youth program for students, for urban students in San Antonio. But he's an artist and mover and shaker, originally from El Paso, who had a vision and he went out and made it happen in a big way. The Wallace Foundation highlighted CEC and John's work as an exemplary national arts model that needs to be replicated across the country. And I have to agree with that. And uh, we're lucky to have him. He's taking time from his busy schedule to speak with us about the power of stories, youth voices, and of all things, the power of food. Works on a wire. John Hinojosa, welcome to Words on a Wire. Hey, my pleasure. Good to be with you. It's finally, like I said, it's finally get to, it's good to finally meet you. Uh, you know, even though virtually we get to meet each other, I know that I've followed your work for quite some time and I'm aware of everything you've been doing. And, uh, you know, I've been wanting to meet you for a while now, at least a few years. So it's exciting for me to have you on our show. Same here, man. And listen, the one thing I didn't mention, people are going to hear little uh, squeaky noises in the background. That's my bird, Gilbert. He's a zebra finch. Uh, he likes when I'm talking. So apologies. Nobody's getting hurt. It's just my bird. <laughs> no, that's nice. You know, we, we appreciate uh, critters here. We appreciate all of God's creations here, you know, so on words and a wire. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I should probably take a minute too to remind our listeners that this is the pandemic version of words on a wire, which means we're not in our KTEP studios as we normally are. So some of the, if you get some of the, um, you know, noise or even try to, you know, some of the sort of uh, disruptions in the, in the Wi-Fi, it's just because I'm recording from my home in El Paso and John's in his home in San Antonio. So just for the, for the listeners to remember that. Um, but you're calling us from San Antonio, right? That's where you're at right now? Yeah, um, you know, born and raised in El Paso, but um, yeah. uh, San Antonio, I've lived here for over 30 years now, so. Wow, so yeah, that's home now. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it, you know, it is, it, it is, you know, I'm, I know that we're going to talk a little bit about El Paso, and I'm certainly excited to talk about uh, that, but it is one of those things where um, I prior to the pandemic, I did a lot of traveling and went to great cities and yeah. um and 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 loved it but i always knew that i was coming home to el paso and mm. i think very similar to el paso there's this beautiful cultural thread mm -hmm. that weaves through our city and again we're a we're a, a brown city you know we're not mm. we're not multiracial we're biracial because the majority of the population is is latino but more importantly mexican-american so there's yeah. just this and our cost of living is you know sort of uh, el paso's even got, I think, more expensive cost of living than, than San Antonio. So it's a, it's a place that you can raise a family. It's a place that you can live yeah. and be in a service industry and, and have a decent house and living and stuff like that. So it's definitely home. Yeah, it absolutely is. Where did you, if you don't want me asking, where did you attend high school when you were living here? Dude. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm uh, going to so go deep, I'm, man. We're going deep on this I, one. <laughs> I, so 
important. It's always a, where you went to high school is always an important question. It is. I get that too. <laughs> but the other piece that's important too is that um, um, I, I went to the only high school in El Paso that has a letter on the Franklin Mountains. I went to Austin High School. Austin High School. We were, yeah. you know, the, our rivalries were uh, El, uh, El Paso High. <laughs> Uh, but it was one of those things where um, it's a beautiful, important sort of building, too, that I never recognized when I went to high school there. It was one of those, you know, I'm, I, I'm a little older, so I think like our, our senior class was like, I don't know, 600 people or something like that. But but no, it's just like a, we're the only ones with a letter on the mountain. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's something to boast about around here. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know that you're the executive director of CEC for our listeners out there. That's a, uh, it's a nonprofit and arts group, arts uh, development for youth there in San Antonio. I want to get more into that. I want to ask you a lot of particulars about that. But before we get there, what, what took you to San Antonio? How'd you, how'd you end up going there? What's the story behind that? Oh, the real story, the true story, or the, the true story? No, that's all we're about. Is the true story. Tell folks. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. It's one of those stories that a lot of people have in their lives, and it's one of those. Uh, my, uh, I came to San Antonio because of my now wife, back then girlfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, she uh, uh, and I had met um, early summer, many many years ago, and. Um, um, sort of it didn't work out, but then it did work out. And then, you know, it was one of those relationships where back then where you actually had a phone that was tethered versus a mobile phone. <laughs> and we would both yeah. be falling asleep as we're <laughs> talking to each other, you know, late at night yeah. and stuff like that. And it was one of those things. It was um, we went to Fiesta de las Flores. We were, you know, we started just hanging out. We were, we, we were both interest i met her at a dance club so you, you know we, we spent a lot of time dancing and hanging out nice. and uh, and then like after a couple of months she told me oh you know she goes um i'm moving san antonio i said what she, i said she goes yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start school i'm gonna stay with a friend i said when are you going when are you gonna go and this was like she goes like next month and I was going, seriously? And she goes, yeah, seriously. And I said, well, I got nothing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Wise man. <laughs> so we we put my big fat, back then they were fat, uh, and my two cats and her clothes in her VW Rabbit. And we, we drove to uh, San Antonio. Man, in the VW, <laughs> in the VW, you headed out. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, her VW Rabbit was crazy it, it got us around for a lot of times but it was crazy because again we um you know i was i was always working in the service industry you know and and working in restaurants uh to make a living and so it was like i could get a job waiting tables or bartending right in san antonio so it was easy for me to really say i love san antonio i got nothing going on yeah right now you're also an artist right i mean you're an artist as well so how did uh you know how did that did that play a role at all in terms of you deciding you know to go to san antonio it's such an art city you know yeah but now it, it, the answer is no honestly the reality is that um you know my joke on my bio is i'm an artist masquerading as an arts administrator <clears throat> and the I, the work that i do is my passion and my love but back 
back in the day when we talk about sort of my 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 growing up in El Paso is I was always creative and talented. I always knew that there was something, but right. the piece for me is that I never had um, going to a big high school. Um, having I didn't have any mentors that told me, man, right. that's killer. You right. should think about doing this. You should think about doing that. I was in the service industry working in restaurants just because I needed to make a living. My, my parents died at a really early age. And so I was on my own by the time I was 15 years old. Mm. So it was like, you know, one is it was just trying to make a living and finish school. Um, but it was one of those things where I always knew I was creative and talented. I moved to San Antonio just because I was, you know, my, my girlfriend, sure. my, my wife was, was, was moving there. But, and I started working in a restaurant here, but it was really her and this city and its culture that made me figure out. I, I always remind, and I tell our kids that our job is to get them where they need to be as soon as possible. Cause it took me forever to figure that out for a yeah. whole bunch of reasons. Right. But, um, I started taking an art class at the local community college and said, Oh, I like this. And so, and back then I wasn't even thinking about an associates or a B right. uh, or anything. It was just like, you know, I'll go to school during the day, work at night. And then before I knew it, I had so many damn credits. I said, maybe I should get a degree. And so, um, so part of that was, is that figuring it out later in life that, that you can make a living and be passionate about your work and sort of, um, you know, I think we, we should always look at this. And <clears throat> the thing for me as, as an arts administrator working with young people in the arts is that um, I love my job. Yeah. Pay me for it. I wake up every morning excited about what I'm doing and who I'm working with. And, yeah. and there's so many people in life that don't get to say that. You that's know? not true. That's absolutely true. And that's one of the things that, you know, um, I think I've always tried and instill in my own children as well, you know, after having walked that path myself and learning the hard way, you know, uh, trying to figure out the navigate this world as, you know, on your own without, you know, I'm originally from Fresno, which is, I think in many ways, very similar to El Paso. Um, but also limited in terms of its resources if you want to be anywhere in the arts. And so it was about trying to have to figure that out on your own, you know. Um, and, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, C. Let's talk about what, what you do there. Uh, for those who don't uh, know or haven't heard about C, it's a fantastic organization. I tried to describe it, but I know that you are the man. So, so why don't you tell uh, us a little bit about it? Well, those that don't know, you know, we're a worldwide nationally recognized program. I'm joking, but we really are. And it was because of our commitment to uh, young people in the arts. And, right. you know, as we as we describe and what we know is that, again, the arts get shortchanged and people that are creative get shortchanged. And and so the piece for the piece for us and when we started the work and, and it's a multi, uh, you know, we're committed to um, equity and opportunities for uh, marginalized and disadvantaged youth. Right. We are, we, we're a multidisciplinary program, so we're not just a visual art program. We're also a film and photography program, a theater program, and a new media and game design program. So oh, all, creative, all creative people that think differently, that work in different ways are, are part of our community. But the piece that's really important to us <clears throat> is youth voice. And reminding kids, you know, we, we, we've just gone through a tough time in our country and things are going to hopefully continue to get better with a progressive leadership. But it is one of those things that it's young people that can change things. It's young. And, and a lot of times what happens is that um, they don't get the respect or the re reality and understanding 
of, of especially not only young people, but creative young people. Right, right. You know, when you look at, you know, when, when you look back at uh, our civil rights movement and all of those other kinds of things, it was young people marching the streets, reminding folks, Black Lives Matters, the recent right. sort of issues with that. Um, you know, um, and what, what I just recently told some folks to make sure that they understand two things usually in Texas that people get. Yeah. Um, one is, what is SACI? Well, we're the football team for the arts. We, it's a group of folks that work together that are, you know, you talk football in, in Texas, people right, right. say that, right? Because right, right. we, we're not a, the, we're not, we're not a, a sports program. We're a creative program, but it works in the same way. Right. We have people that work together. We have mentors. We have coaches. We have all this stuff working forward. And then the other piece, just recently with uh, Amanda Gorman and that beautiful po poem right. that she uh, read at the inauguration, I got so much again great feel. One is I was blown away, but at, I was I was blown away because she's brilliant and talented. Yeah. But then when I saw her interview, and she started talking about growing up in a poor area and work and, and, and getting mentored at a community center and, and, and lifting everybody else who's made her who she is. Yeah. The piece for me that we have to remember is tens of thousands of Amanda Gormans out there yeah. that we need to remember and recognize because right. they are out there. They're in Apaso, they're in Fresno, they're in San Antonio, they're across yeah. this country. That's right. We need to recognize and support them in any way we can, give them the resources, all of that. That's right. Um, and that's a nice analogy using that sort of football, you know, um, because yeah, we do, it does make sense that way. However, let me, let me ask you this because sure, sure. Where, where, whereas sports, uh, we could say would have a surplus of, of funding behind it. Um, the arts is usually trying to piecemeal their funding together. How are you all affected by the pandemic? How has that been? Uh, you know, um, this is the other sort of, important so we we were panicked and freaking out but as so many other arts organizations the and i'll explain again how we've sort of overcome that i think that that's important but the 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 piece that we all need to re recognize is that um the what we know what i know in the work that i've done is the arts are the first to be defunded and the last on the list to be yeah. funded so, so of course, that's what happened in San Antonio. We're a tourist industry. Our money and support that we get is from the hotel motel occupancy tax. That mm -hmm. all went away. Um, the other piece that's important is, is the thing that we got to remind everybody, your listeners and, and our, primarily our public leaders, is that while we're the first to get funded and the last to come back, this pandemic, the arts, have saved people during this pandemic. That's right. When you think yeah. about what you're seeing, the music, that's really what's been sort of everybody's sort of therapy. And it <laughs> frustrates me just because, okay, we don't value the arts, but at the same time, if it wasn't for the damn arts, exactly. how would we have been surviving? So so the the piece for me with Say C is is that we uh, we work with underserved um, vulnerable populations. And yeah. the big piece for us because we're project-based learning, which is, um, you know, uh, an important uh, sort of um, philosophy that's that works together when you're in spaces. And and the first 
concern I had is that when we were going to move virtually is we can't do project-based learning through Zoom. Yeah. But here's the deal. Because of our kids and our teaching artists and our men, yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> But yeah. the piece of, uh, and but so it was a good learning lesson. But the other piece for us is is that what we were able to do right away, because here's the deal. Yeah. Economically disadvantaged families have one phone that they share. Mm -hmm. They pay only a certain fee to be able to be connected. Majority of our kids, the technology we had available to them, they didn't have in their homes. They did not have connectivity to the Wi-Fi. So we started busting our butts to try to find money for technology and for connectivity so that every one of our kids yeah. there was no excuse if they chose to not be part of the program maybe it was a resting time and stuff like that but the goal was let's get that technology let's get them what they need the the joke that i use that i'm actually been quoted on quite a bit of time uh is that um what the the most successful individuals and organizations that are going to come out of this okay is to recognize that our past is our past and we have to understand it and 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 always remember it but the only way to be successful in this post covid world is to blow shit up yeah. and to rethink how you're doing things that we used to do it this way but can't do it anymore and right. i really do think that that really is how the most sort of successful organizations and individuals are gonna get through this, is to completely reimagine the way that they've been doing things. Right, which is inherent in the arts. You know, that's what the arts are about, is reimagining, reinvention, uh, taking, you know, inventing from, from necessity, uh, you know, um, and, and all of that good stuff. Uh, so it's wonderful. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we're speaking with today's guest, John Hinoosa. He's the executive director of CEC. It's a youth arts organization that's based in San Antonio, but his work and his passion have been, he's originally from El Paso, but your work and your passion have just expanded all over the country. I know that um, I was also, I have to say, I was looking at your website and I love all the videos that you all make accessible, you know, tutorials, workshops, demos from visual arts to music to everything. Um, and cooking, <laughs> which I yeah. have to I have to bring that up because uh, I wanna talk to you about cooking. But first, uh, why was, have you guys always had all those resources up, those videos up prior to the pandemic or is that something that's come of that? Come out it's of that. come of that because we recognized what we wanted to do because we were, re again, shifting who we were and what we were doing is, is that we needed to make things accessible to our students Right. And our community members and our outreach programs. But we said, let's let's make it available to all folks. Wonderful. And that's what's really cool about it is, again, and what we've done is there, you know, there's a good word in 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 the arts called creation. You know, so all it's dealing. I just think good ideas should always be shared. What did right? you call that? What did you say that word you had just cut out right now? Sorry. Appropriation. Oh, appropriation. Right. So. So I'm a, as an artist, I'm an appropriator. I, I like to take other things and re sort of combine them sort of a, a, a way to look at that. But the piece of it is, is that people were doing good stuff. And so not only did we create these uh, visuals and projects and these step-by-step -step sort of opportunities is that we reached out to other creative organizations and said, Oh my God, you're doing this cool stuff. Can we incorporate it into our work? And the answer was right away, yes, absolutely. So that's the other thing 
that's important about this. And that was, again, a learning lesson that we didn't have yeah. um, before the pandemic. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's really kind of opened up, broadened our approach to getting the information and the message out, which makes it more inclusive. You know, uh, it, it, now it reaches beyond San Antonio, you know, as well. Now, I want to go to the video of you cooking there. You you do this wonderful cooking demonstration uh, for Dia de los Muertos on uh, Polvorones, how to make these beautiful wedding cookies yeah. and, and chocolate de Oaxaca. And uh, it's just it's a fantastic video. I love it. I didn't even know it existed there till I started to do the research. But I follow you on social media. And I see, I mean, man, your, your cooking has inspired me. I'm not even saying that. I'm not even joking. Like, you know, I'm a single dad here in El Paso. So it's always the, the hardest part for me is always, how do I make dinner for the kids and, you know, uh, and feeling inspired to do it. And so when I watch your, when I see your, your, your posts, I'm always inspired. So I want to ask you, how did your interest in cooking, because you seem to tie it in, at least in the video, you seem to tie cooking in very directly with, you know, the arts, the power of culture and stories, all of that. You see that as one. How did that get uh, started for you? How did you find that interest? Um, I'll try to keep this short because it's 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 important. But but dude, really, the piece for me is that um, um, sitting at the table and sharing a meal with your family is vital and important and it is sort of threaded through this idea of culture and history and connection and then the other piece for me also is that doing that with other folks there there's something about breaking bread with people you don't necessarily even get along with that that sort of shifts perspectives and the the thing and i appreciate you you saying that it's inspiring because that's really what i do i used to do it a lot and then i stopped just because i said oh god everybody's going to be tired of my damn meals every evening but then i get all these messages saying dude come on seriously we want to see your dinners we want to see your dinners so what i've what i've done with the pandemic is that on occasion i'll actually even throw in um uh the recipes so uh I just again, being from El Paso, our tortillas are much larger. I had to grow into the smaller tortillas in, in San Antonio, but tortillas are so easy to make. And there's something about the smell of a tortilla on a comal that just reminds you of your grandma's. And, and so it's just one of those things. So I throw in those recipes, easy, easy stuff. But, but because I want to be inspiring, but it is always, it's been important to me, but ironically, sort of going back to the El Paso story, I've been in the service industry for a long time because I had to, my, my mom died when I was six. My mm. father died when I was 14. By the time I was six, I was sort of the, the, the youngest. All of my brothers had left and it was just me and my dad. And my mom would make the meals, but then it was all of a sudden, John has to cook the meals. Uh. And back then it was easy because my dad liked the banquet fried chicken, frozen chicken that I could put in the oven. And yeah. then those little... Uh, uh, shrimp cocktails that already came in the little cups that you would save and put in your, your cabinet. But then it was one of those things where it says, and then I started working in restaurants and I spent, you know, while I was in front of the house, you know, waiter, bartender, or manager, I spent most of my, my time in the back talking to the chefs and the cooks and learning sort of the trade. And then the, because I've got three daughters, they're all adult grown daughters. Yeah. But the piece for us is just because, um, they were in different schools and different ages. And here's what's crazy. And this is what's a reminder to everybody. I work at an after school program. And so I would work till like 6 37 o'clock at night. But by the time I learned how to make dinners in like 20 minutes, I can do chicken parmesan in 20 minutes. Because <laughs> seriously, crazy. but the piece of it is, is that I always wanted, I'm, 
my joke is that one of the reasons that my wife's married me is because she didn't cook and I did. It's just, you know, I, I literally think that was the number one reason. But the other piece is she can make a good arroz con pollo. I, I give her that. But that's pretty much like it. That's like pretty much it. Um, uh, but the thing is, is that I always wanted to cook dinner. And then the thing was, it was about the ritual of all of us sitting at the table. And early on, it was like, let's turn off the TV. Let's sit at the table. How was your day? What's going on? And again, that's how you that's how you get to know what's going on in your kids' lives and everything else. So what's really cool about that is it's always been the way. And so the goal is, is that we've always sit at the table and have dinner. And then just like recently, my, my oldest, I have a I have a 32 year old. I don't believe that. Old. It's crazy, right? I don't believe and that. And a 26 year old, the six year old is living in fancy Austin because she's got a boyfriend that makes <laughs> lots of money. So she comes and visits us on occasion. Can't but hate, the, can't two, hate on that. <laughs> the two of I want to talk about that. Austin's a whole other podcast. Um, uh, but the two, their daughters, because of the pandemic, came back and moved in with us temporarily. And, and, and uh, I love them. It's great having them. I'm looking forward to when this is all over and then they move out. But what's really great is that we went back to this ritual. It used to be just me and my wife sitting at the table, but now I'm cooking. And again, just ritualistic. I say dinner's ready. Everybody comes, they serve themselves. We sit at the table. We see how everybody's day with. Now we're all in the same damn house. So it's not like a whole lot of, uh, but it is one of those things that it just, I just love it because it happens because it's always been the way that we've done it. So uh -huh. All right, that was a long story and I apologize, but it was No, no, no. That's the story right there. That's everything. That's what we that's what I live for is hearing those stories, you know. Um you know, in your bio it says that uh, you know, that you hope your legacy will be inspiring and educating the next generation of our nation's creative leaders. And I, I you know, I believe that you're doing exactly that, not just in the, in your in your work there with CC a wonderful organization, but, you know, even just in your cooking and the way that you are generous and sharing with the community by social media, with your family as well. Uh, you know, you remain an inspiration to myself. I'm sure to a lot of folks out there and particularly the young folks that you serve there in San Antonio, it's just been a real honor and pleasure to talk with you uh, really quickly. We've got about one more minute here. What, what do you see in your future, whether it's involved with CC or just John Hinojosa and, and the family, what's you, what's in, what's in store for you? Tim, really only one minute. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I guess, <laughs> yeah, you got one uh, minute. <laughs> I'm still trying to think that through the one of the during the pandemic was a transition leadership. I've been the director of SACI from the very beginning, and we recognize that the future is through young people. So we've been transitioning through um, uh, having these co-directing managers. One of them happens to be an alumni who mm. graduated from our program, went to college, nice. came back and worked for us. So I don't know what the few everybody says I should open a restaurant. But just like nonprofits, they are not going to make any money. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a love and a passion. So it's one of those things. I don't know what the future is. I'm trying to figure it out. That's what this time is to be able to give. But the only thing that I can guarantee is, is it, it's going to be about helping and mentoring. Yeah. It's going to be a creative pursuit. And it's going to be something that I love and am passionate about. Nice. In, uh, the last few decades. Maybe a cookbook? Everybody says that too. It's just one of those things is that I, I would have to write this shit down these cooks that just put shit together. Sorry, I'm I'm, 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 I'm,
Right, right. Well, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, to talking with you again, John. And if you do get a cookbook, of course, I'll have to uh, we'll have to have you back. And, you know, anytime uh, you're welcome back here on our show, Words on a Wire. It's just been a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Uh, same here, Tim. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, too. I think, again, what we talked about is that there's a lot of important threads that sort of bind us in mm-hmm. both the history, the fact that you're in the frontera and doing good work and are an amazing poet and writer as well. So thank you, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Take care, my friend. I'd like to thank our wonderful guest today, John Inoosa, the executive director of CEC, the arts program for youth there in San Antonio and original uh, El Paso native. Also want to give a special thanks to our show's producer, Sam Cassiano, and our podcast producer, Claudia Flores. You can find all of our archive shows on Apple and Spotify podcasts. That wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on Words on a Wire, KTEP 88.5 FM, your NPR station for the Southwest.